Hello, shalom, peace of the Lord to all. Welcome to another podcast of the Emancipation Project. It's me, your host, Emmanuel. Um, today we're going to do a little something different, and it's going to be um, a really personal, a really personal podcast. It's gonna. I'm going to tell you about myself, what I've been through, and my testimony. Because the word of the Lord tells us something really important in Revelation 12, 11. It tells us, and they overcame him, talking about the accuser of the brethren that stands before God day and night accusing by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ, and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto the death. So they loved more Christ than their own lives. And, you know, that's what Jesus means when he says, you must take your cross and every day and have to die to yourself daily because we love not our life but we live for christ because christ is worthy for of our lives and so today i'm going to talk about my testimony what i've been through like i said it's going to be extremely personal so i hope you're if you really want to stay here to listen i know that god is gonna is gonna use this for his glory because i count it all worth like everything i suffered everything i've been through is all worthy of being able to be here and and tell this testimony that to show what God has done in my life, what he continues to do and how far he has brought me. Let it all be for the glory of God, the father and of his beloved son, Jesus Christ would pay, which paid the debt for my sin on the cross. Start off by saying that I moved to the United States when I was three, a little kid. Um, And I had a rough childhood because my parents, my mom got married at a very young age, like 19 or 20 or something. So she wasn't ready to be a mom. And my dad had left the woman. And, you know, my parents were in adultery, basically, when they got married. Um, because he was he got divorced. And so I was raised in a household that where there was a lot of fighting. My parents would fight a lot. And as a kid... Um, I'm not going to mention any names or anything because it doesn't matter anymore. I've healed and I've forgiven um, these people. But um, I was sexually abused as a child um, multiple times on various occasions. And it's something that that it really affects you in life because I had trust issues. And I would just look at I would just look at people a little differently because as a kid, you never expect that to happen. It's probably like eight or, or nine. I started watching porn at eight too. So I was just involved in in stuff that I shouldn't have been at a very early age. And it definitely affects how you how you're brought up and how how you go about life and how you do things. And I know that, you know, I, when I started dating and stuff, when I was like 13 or 14, that stuff really messed up my relationships because I would look at porn and I would think that was normal. And that's not a loving, that's not a real relationship. You know, if you watch porn, you're going to look at women differently and your brain gets hardwired differently than if you don't. And it's something that society does, you know, that's why porn is free. So they can trap you in that mindset so they can, so they, so you don't know real love basically, because real love isn't about pleasure. It has nothing to do with it. But if you can get people thinking that way, then you can kind of control them with pleasure and lead them and guide them whichever way you want. It's like the blind leading the blind. You're both going to fall into the pit. And that's what the world does, because they'll say these things are normal. These things are good. 
but you then you look at the damage it causes to family and how many broken relationships because people have the wrong priorities in mind and the divorces and the kids that are raised in single parent homes which you know statistically is shown to for the kids to be abused more often not and all these things, even sexually and physically, and it's all perpetuated. And we pass it on to our kids and our parents pass it on to us. This wrong way of thinking that that is ultimately perpetuated by the culture of a post post Christian society. Because when when society was Christian, these things wouldn't happen because they realized that the most important thing was God and it was faithfulness and it was integrity and it was staying pure. But as society goes corrupting itself over the generations. Um, it started in grandparents' generation, so 1940s, it started to get bad. And then by 1960, um, Bibles were getting taken out of school, which is why we see the millennial generation being so corrupt and why they're, you know, mostly unhappy because they abuse drugs and they think sex is, is how you're happy. And then they pass that way of living on to us. We're just a product of our environment. You know, I'm 20, so I was kind of raised throughout all of that and it's what's been normal but in reality it's not what's normal it's not what's good either but it's just what we're taught from a young age so back to my testimony when i was so that kind of that messed me up as a kid already and then when i turned 12 i was turning 13 or something my big brother he um he killed himself and that's when i started to to use drugs and smoke. And by, by the age of 12, I was in seventh grade, I was popping pills and smoking weed. I would go to school high or drunk or it was always something. I never wanted to be sober. I was probably like high or on something, on weed, on pills, on Xanax, on acid, whatever it may be until from, from 12 to like 18. Of course, there were periods where I would stop for extended periods of time because I'd get caught or something would happen. I wouldn't have money. But anything I can get my hands on, I would ingest. And I'm not speaking this to be like, oh yeah, I was, I'm not glorifying and I'm not glorying and all the and all the, the things I used to do because I understand to some people that might be what's cool and normal. But if you go to look at it and really be critical, that's not the healthy thing to do. That's not a good thing to do. Drinking is not good. Smoking is not good. The reason why people do that thing, why they do stuff like that, is because they're empty in the inside and trying to fill a hole. With, with the drug or a psychedelic or whatever it may be because they're missing something inside of them. Their heart craves more and needs more than just, you know, this empty existence. So they, they don't, they, they can't find that because they don't see God. They don't think that God could be that for them. Or maybe their parents didn't even raise them on the safe path, which is God on the true path, which is God. So they, so their parents that, that were hurt were perpetuated that onto their kids into our generation and we see that whole thing happening now where people are still to this day trying to find happiness and things and idols, which God calls them drugs, money, sex, relationships, whatever it may be. It's an idol. You're never going to be truly fulfilled. And then you're just going to have a part of you missing and you're not going to live life in abundance. Because Jesus said, I, I came, I come that they may have life and life in abundance. So that, that's what the message of the cross is. Jesus died for all that stuff. So you could notice how bad it was and look back and reflect. That's what the cross is. It makes you reflect on sins and what, what, it's, what sin does to society. And it makes you want to turn from it. That's what the cross of Jesus is meant for, for us to turn from sin 
And although we're not perfect, the grace of God covers that, that we may work towards perfecting ourselves. That's the beauty of Christ. That's the beauty of the cross. And that's why Christianity, when people actually had time to read the Bible and study, it was it was such a popular um, religion, you know, because there's so much truth behind it. Like sin isn't good for society. It's not. You can say all it is, but that's you just defending your sin. But in reality, if you look at it from a moral hog point, if you look at it, you know, from a bird's eye view where you can kind of get the scope of everything it does and not just looking at how someone may be feeling and, and you know, why they're doing it. Look at how it affects other people, how it affects society, how it affects generations after it. If we put it under that microscope and we balance, you know, weigh the balances, we'll see that sin is te- it's a terrible thing. It's a disease. And people will defend their sin because they love their sin. They don't really, they love the damage that it does and inherently. It's not because they want to, but it's because they love their sin. So they they won't try to better themselves and people get stuck there. And continue. So all this stuff was going on. So by the time I graduate, I'm 18. First thing I do is I get a tat when I turn 18. Kind of dumb, but there's nothing I can do about it anymore. So in the summer of um, senior year, I went out with some friends and and we were we were doing drugs, you know, we were doing acid, getting drunk, whatever it may be. I don't think we were getting drunk. We were doing acid. And I tell this because I don't know what situation people find themselves in, but God knows your heart. God knows your heart and he knows how to draw you. He knows how to bring you to him. You know, if you have a pure heart, God's going to reach out to you one way or another. You just have to open your heart to receive him and, and believe because a lot of people don't like God because they don't like looking at themselves and, and admitting that they're a sinner and they need God. They only they need God to heal them. They need God to do to bring them joy and they seek for joy and all these other things. And God's right there with his hand extended, but people won't humble themselves to take his hand. That's what it comes down to. So it was it was August of senior year. I was out with some friends, August 10th. I was out with some friends camping, doing acid. And I I don't have anything against, you know, um, homosexuals or whatever. But these these guys, they just started to get really weird. And they were making advances or what I perceived were advances. It just made me super uncomfortable because I was in this very vulnerable state. And you know how you are when you're on acid. Everything's kind of strange and feels weird. And I just got super uncomfortable, super uncomfortable. And I was getting really anxious. I just felt so not good like i felt very uncomfortable i felt like there was like in the spirit realm there was like a a warfare going on i just felt really bad really uncomfortable and i didn't know what to do i was like i honestly wanted to die at that moment because i was just so it wasn't the first time either i felt like dying like after my brother passed away i think i tried to kill myself a couple times try to pop a bunch of pills and but every time i would do that stuff i could never lose all my hope because i always knew that god was real I always believed in God. And, you know, sometimes people would ask me if I believed in God and I would deny him. But I always believed in God. Like, I had an experience with God when I was a kid at church. And I remember just crying, crying. I was probably like nine or ten. I just cried and, and, you know, in the presence of God and feeling his Holy Spirit and stepping into the Holy of Holies. So I had always believed in God, but I had denied him. As I grew up, I denied God. 
you know, people would ask me in school if, if I believe in God. I'd be like, nah, not really. And I didn't even like my name, Emmanuel, because it has that that connotation with God. It's like God with us. So I didn't like when people call me that. And I tell people to call me Manny. And that's how my nickname came about, because I was like, yo, how would God allow all these things to happen to me? I lose my brother. I get abused when I was a kid. My parents got divorced. And it's like, my life sucks. Why Why would, why, how could God exist and let all these things happen to me? But I look at it now and it's like all those things were done to me because God knew that I could handle it. So I could be here one day and, you know, shredding, spreading this message of hope that God has a plan for your life and, and God's working everything out for your best to somebody that might have gone through the same and they, and they need a hand from God. God's out there reaching out his hand because he did it for me. And, you know, a lot of people say, oh, what's the proof of God? What's the what's the tangible proof of God? I'm tangible proof of God. My life is my testimony is. Because people be, oh, we can't see God. We can't, we can't hear God. So how do you know there's a God? And I'll be like, look at me. I'm proof there's a God. Right now, I should be a mess. I should be a drug addict. I should be, you know, depressed. I should be still perpetuating generational curses on to other people. I should still be hurting the people that I try to get involved with in relationships because of my, my past. But God healed me from all that. God healed me from drug addiction. God healed me from masturbation addiction. God healed me from trust issues. God healed me from depression, from suicide, from wanting to, to commit suicide and all those things. God healed me from that. So I'm proof. I'm living proof of what God can do in a man's life. And there's many other people that, that can say the same. And where where the proof of God? Because God is spirit. God is not man. He's not carnal. You can't touch God. But gods are all around us. We abide in God. And God's there reaching out his hand to people who want to take it. Back to my um my story, we were we were out there and I was tripping on acid, so I was super anxious and full of anxiety. I didn't feel good. Very, very uncomfortable. Like I literally just didn't feel like I didn't even feel human. I just so strange. So I eventually just ran away. I didn't I didn't say anything to anybody because they were just being super weird. I was super uncomfortable. I was in a very vulnerable state. Anybody that has done acid knows that you're very vulnerable. You're like a kid when you're on acid. So I ran and I hid in my car basically all night. And I couldn't even fall asleep because I was tripping. And when the thing is, when you're tripping, you can't fall asleep and time goes by really slow. So I was like, I, was, I, I had nothing to do. What was I going to do for six hours in my car without internet service, without being able to drive because I was tripping? So I was just stuck there. I was trapped. I felt trapped. I felt, you know, like um, people who can't stay in small spaces. I felt claustrophobic. That's what I felt like because there was nowhere I could go, nothing I could do. I'm two hours from my house, so I can't even go home. I was like, what if I get pulled over while I'm tripping? So I was not going to drive. And so I was like, all right, there's nothing else I can do. I don't even know what to do at this point. And I remember when I was a kid. And I used to go to church and I used to pray and do all these things. And so I was like, might as well, you know what I mean? So I was like, God, I know you're real. I know you're somewhere, but do you even care about me? Like, I'm a nobody, you know, like just some kid who's been through it all in the past. Like you weren't there for me. So why would you be there for me now? You let me go through all that stuff. So why would you be here for me now? And that's the thing. I didn't know God, the power of God. So I prayed. And I was like, Lord, if, if you just take away this anxiety, if you just take away this 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 
this claustrophobia, this this feeling of uncomfortableness that I'm I'm in right now, and I just I just don't feel okay. I don't feel good, Lord. If you can just bring me peace, bring me peace. I will I will full heartedly turn to you. Those are the words I said. It was a short prayer, very short, and I said Amen. I didn't even say it in Jesus' name, Amen. I just said Amen, and like that, it was like a light flip switched, and I felt good. It's like I I, I don't even, I felt born again. I was literally born again in that moment. That's my experience of being born again, being born of the Spirit, is in that moment. I knew instantly. My whole mind changed. It's like everything had to be re- rewired. I had peace. And after that, I started reading the Bible, yo. And, you know, by, I think it was by March of 2019. So this happened August of 2018. By March of 2019, I had read the Bible twice. And I was just so hungry, yo. And I missed those days. That's the first love. I missed those days. I would come home. I didn't even think I had a job at that point. But I would come home and I would just eat Bible. I would read Bible all night. I'd be up until two, three in the morning reading the Bible, just getting in the word. And and the, the word, the words came to life. And it was like, wow, like the way I'm acting right now, the way I acted, it was out of hurt. And God here he is healing me. I couldn't trust people. But then once you realize that you can trust God and God has your best interests in mind, he will heal you. And then he will surround you with people that you can trust as well because they're healed. Because you realize that hurt people hurt people. And it's like this thing in society, nobody's healed, nobody's hurting each other. And when you when you when you you're healed and God heals you. There's other people that are healed too, and you guys heal each other. And and then there's more people who come to church, and it's like a healing factory, and they're healed, and God's working together in the Holy Spirit. It's a whole factory of, not a factory, a whole hospital, and people are being healed, being able to trust people, being able to commune with people, being able to leave behind, you know, the sinful nature to live in this glorious light of Christ, of selflessness, of, of, you know, of not being inhibited by some sin, of, of sharing the common love of God. And it was, it was, it's amazing what God has done in my life and, and is continuing to do, you know. And this is all because one moment in time, I let aside all my sin. And I knew I was in sin when I prayed. It's like, what? There's there's no question about that. I was the biggest sinner you could find. I was fornicating, adultery. I was a sorcerer because I would do drugs and, and all that stuff. All that stuff. I was a cheater. and And God turned it all turned it all around and now i live in his light and and you know i can't even look back i can't i don't miss it i don't miss it i had to leave behind friends yeah because you know some some lifestyles aren't aren't very good and i don't want to be smoking all day i don't want to be drinking i don't want to be talking about pornography and sex and i don't want to be talking about stuff that's not edifying because why would i if what you surround yourself with is what you become so if, you, if you're just with hanging out with a bunch of hurt people who haven't really healed, who don't really have, you know, what's important in mind and they're thinking about vanity and it's not peace and love and God and, and truth and fidelity. Why even surround yourself with people like that? It's not worth it. And what I've noticed is everything that I went through in my past that built me up to be the person I am today. And, you know, being able to stand even when nobody's standing with me and saying, oh, I'm, I'm fighting for God. I'm being for God. Even if I have to leave people behind, even if I have to lose people, I am fighting for God because that's what God did for me one day on that cross. He fought for me. He fought for me. And that's that's what it comes down to is when you realize how much of a sinner you are, how much we need God's grace. And I knew when I was a kid, I knew the law. I knew the Ten Commandments. I knew I had broken the Ten Commandments. So when I had when I saw that 
you know, in God's eyes, I was a sinner and I was going to hell because God is perfect. So that means we need to be perfect too, to be able to live and abide with him. And I was like, yo, I'm, there's no way I can abide, abide with God. And then I, I read the Bible and I, and I found out about Jesus because I had never read, read the Bible when I was old. I had read it when I was a kid and that Jesus already came and he paid the sin. And now I live by grace through faith in Christ. And that all I have to do is die to myself and take my cross daily and live for the Lord. What a joy. That's all I have to do. And all that sin I did, God throws in the sea of forgetfulness. And I just live this new life in Christ. Because the Bible says everybody that is in Christ is a new creation. Behold, the old things have gone and all things make themselves new. It's like, wow, God really had this all planned out for everybody, for everybody that trusts, everybody that has faith in him. They can turn from sin and live this freedom, this perfect law of freedom in Christ. And, you know, you can live in peace with other people without hurting other people, without being selfish, without, you know, being arrogant and thinking yourself self-righteous. Because anybody that thinks they can get to heaven without Christ, they lie to themselves because they don't know God at that point because God is perfect. How could you step before a perfect God without being perfect? The only way you can step before God is if somebody died for you that was perfect and paid the price. If you go to a judge one day and they're like, oh, you're, you're guilty of A, B, and T, adultery, stealing, and killing. And you're like, oh, well, I'll look at all these other good works I did. Look at all these other good things. I helped the poor. I, I fed the hungry. Um, I took in widows. And he's like, oh, that's great. Congratulations, but you still have these sins right here that you need to pay the fine for. So it doesn't change anything before a judge. And this is the court of law. This isn't even heaven. So the same way the judge judges a man here on earth is the same way God's going to judge us one day. And we saying, oh, we have good works. Doesn't matter anything. Until the fine is paid, there's no forgiveness for sin. And then Jesus came. Well, hold up. That's why Jesus is my Lord. He says, hold up. I paid the price. My blood's on him. My blood cleanses him of all unrighteousness. And God, when he sees you, he doesn't see your sin anymore. He sees the blood of Jesus, the perfect lamb, the perfect guy who died on a cross for my sin. And he sees Christ when he sees me because the blood of Jesus is on me. It cleanses me. And that's how my fine is paid. I didn't pay my fine. Jesus paid my fine. And he said, all I have to do is believe and follow him. And that's what I'm doing. One day I shall be in glory with God the Father, and I pray that you're there with me too. I'm speaking to you because this is very personal. I just told you my whole life. I pray that Jesus Christ opens your eyes to, to his grace, to, his, to the truth of God, that you may live and abide in Christ, and always seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, and all things shall be added unto you. Thank you for listening. I hope this blessing encourages you. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.